Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Let me invite you then to find Psalm 23 in your Old Testament, in the Bibles, the Black Bibles, if you're using them, page 458, 458. If you've picked up a large print Bible, page 541. Well done. I've been able to stop some people being blinded by the light. Well done. Psalm 23. Let's hear God's word together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's just pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning, the preciousness of these words is so very great to so many of us. Many others here have treasured these words longer than I have been alive. And so we pray in faltering human speech this morning, make your living word an eternal strength and comfort to all your people. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. Charles Spurgeon, the great London preacher, Charles Spurgeon called Psalm 23 the pearl of the Psalms. And we all know why, don't we? I don't think there's likely to be any other part of the Bible that I could have read this morning where in your own head as I was reading, you were just finishing the sentences for me, weren't you? The Lord is my, I shall not want. We know it, don't we? In different versions of the Bible, through different versions in songs and hymns, the words of Psalm 23 are embedded in our hearts, aren't they? And if the Psalms are precious to all of us, because they speak the language of the heart, personal experience of God, Psalm 23 is the pearl of those Psalms. Spurgeon said, its soft and pure radiance delights every eye. Its piety and its poetry are equal. Its sweetness and its spirituality are unsurpassed. I would imagine that in in this room, we have very personal reasons for loving Psalm 23, don't we? Part of my own personal reason this morning for preaching it uh, is a very recent one, just in the run-up to Christmas I was visiting Simon Sony in hospital. We know that Simon has had major surgery recently, has been through 
a, a really difficult operation, a big ordeal, a long recovery process. And by Simon's bed in hospital was a book that I'd never seen before. And the book is called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. You can pick this book up on Amazon, somewhere like that, if you're interested. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, Philip Keller, a man who actually worked with sheep, who gave his life to, to, to caring for sheep, ruling sheep, saving sheep, writing on Psalm 23. Simon went through a phase of saying, I can only manage a page or two a day. And the words in that book became incredibly precious to him and then to me as I talked to him and got the book myself. If Psalm 23 is your pearl this morning, then preaching on it to you is hard because you, you don't want your most precious things roughly handled by somebody else, do you? It's like getting engaged and then getting married. Every man, before he's engaged and married, has his wardrobe. And there's probably a favorite jumper in there in that wardrobe, isn't there? And you just love that jumper. And then slowly you come to realize there's a new stylist in town. And what you once loved is taken off you and it disappears. And you're given new robes to wear. And pre preaching on something precious can be like that. Some, you, I, you feel as if this is taken out of your hands, analyzed, pulled apart a bit, and given back to you in a different way. I don't want to do that for you. I don't want to take Psalm 23 off you today. But I do want to take Psalm 23 off some people today. Hopefully not you. You know, we just before Christmas, we had Sinclair Ferguson preaching for us, didn't we? Alan Girdwood, Alan Girdwood Sr. in our church family was telling me that he knew Sinclair Ferguson's Sunday school teacher, the man who taught Sinclair Ferguson when he was a little boy in Sunday school. And Alan described this man to me in the most lovely way, a man, a man called Davy. Uh, Alan said that years ago when Sinclair preached for the first time at Trinity, Alan told Sinclair that I know your Sunday school teacher told him his name and Sinclair said, I cannot fail to hear that man's name and not have my heart warmed simply at, at hearing about him. Alan told me that when Davy was dying and was in hospital, he had Psalm 23 open in front of him and a nurse said to him, I love that Psalm. And Alan said, here's, here's the thing about Davy. Davy said to the nurse, very good, but do you love the shepherd? You love the psalm, but do you know the shepherd? And that's my question to you today as this new, new year begins, friends. Everybody else out there is going to ask you a different question as the year starts. They're going to ask you about your body and your fitness plan for the year. They're going to ask you about your vaccine status, your holiday plans, your financial hopes, your dreams for university. But my job today is to ask you if you know the shepherd of Psalm 23. If he's your shepherd. I want to ask you where you are with him today. One of the saddest, hardest things that I do is take funerals of people who know nothing about the shepherd but want the shepherd's psalm at their funeral. It's because of verse 4, isn't it, in the psalm? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is a funeral psalm. 
But, but the problem is only one verse out of six verses speaks about death. You, you see that as you look at it? Psalm 23 is actually a psalm all about life, isn't it? Look, look at the imagery. It's about food. It's about water. It's about rest. It's about security. Look at verses 5 and 6. It's about going to a banquet in a beautiful palace where we have perfumed oil poured on our heads. And we've got a cup of wine in our hands where where we're saying to the host, no, 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 stop, stop, look, it's overflowing, enough. Psalm 23 is about life, abundant life. It's, it's more about the happiness of life than the sadness of death, isn't it? And the comfort that there is in death in verse 4, the comfort that there is in verse 4 comes from knowing the shepherd in verses 1 to 3 comes from the host at the banquet in verses 5 and 6. So that at funerals, people take a comfort from this psalm that does not actually belong to them. That's a problem, isn't it? I, I I don't know what to do with this at funerals. If we have no time for the shepherd in life, why do we want him in death? If we don't want to be with him, to to live with him, to eat with him, what is it that makes us think we're going to die with him? Somehow the best that I can do at funerals is is pray that the power of the poetry and the beauty of the shepherd will somehow shine through and that people will find him in their sorrow. But I don't think I've seen that happen yet. See, running through this psalm are three great confessions of personal faith. There are three personal testimonies of David here. The shepherd in the presence of the great shepherd. And so what we're going to do is take three sermons, one on each of these personal confessions, these personal testimonies. There's the first one in verse 1. I shall not want... That's the first personal testimony, isn't it? I shall not want. I shall lack no good thing. That's what sheep say when they know the shepherd. Then in verse 4, I shall not fear. That's the second testimony. I will fear no evil. Next week, we're going to look at the traveler and the companion. Today, we're looking at the sheep and the shepherd. Next week, I will not fear the traveler and the companion. And sermon three, we're going to look at the guest and the host. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Three confessions of faith that I want to be your confession of faith this morning. Friends, here is King David citing the Heidelberg Catechism for us in Hebrew. Centuries before the Heidelberg Catechism was ever written, I will not want, for you are my shepherd I will not fear, for you are my companion. I will dwell with you forever, for you are my host. Do you notice what holds all of those three testimonies together? What, what's the glue, the bone structure, the spine of Psalm 23? Do you notice it? It is he and me relationship. He and me. That there is a glue, a bond between the Lord and me. Do, do you have that this morning? Do you know what that is like? Do you want it if you don't have it? Look at it all the way through verse 2. He makes me lie down. He, He leads me. He restores my soul. He leads me. 
And then look how it changes in verse 4. Not just he and me, now it becomes I and you. See what happens? King David has, he's pulled you close in verses 1 and 3. Let me tell you about the shepherd, he and me, he says. But it's as if once he started talking about him, he has to start talking to him. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Now he just stays with him in his presence to the end, verses 5 and 6. You, me, you, my. It is profoundly personal, isn't it? Profoundly personal and precious. Some of you may know the famous story of the young boy in Scotland, the young boy who was orphaned, sadly, at a young age. And he went to live with his grandfather, who was a shepherd. And as he lived with his grandfather, his grandfather took him out to learn to tend the sheep. His grandfather was a wonderful Christian man. And sitting by the fire at night, his grandfather would teach him the stories in the Bible about the shepherds in the Bible, Moses and David. And most of all, the great shepherd, the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus. He would teach his grandson all about him. And the young boy grew. The young boy grew to tend the sheep grew to love his grandfather. He couldn't read or write, and his, his grandfather taught this young boy the first five words of Psalm 23 in a lovely way. He took his left hand, and he said to the little boy, here's how you learn the first five words of the psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And each time he said the word, he'd hold one of the fingers each time. The Lord is my shepherd. Five words committed to memory. And as the boy grew and grew to care on the farm to look after the sheep, eventually he looked after the sheep on his own. And one winter, a terrible storm set in. The grandfather knew that his grandson was out tending the sheep. A terrible storm enclosed the farm. The little boy did not come home. And the next day, the boy was found frozen to death in the field tending the sheep. But those who find him noticed that he was holding his hand in an unusual way. His right hand was clasping his fourth finger in his left hand. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. So what we're going to do is look at this together. Our our first confession of faith. Here is what people who, who know this God and who belong to the Lord Jesus, the great good shepherd, here is what they say. Because he is mine, I shall not want. I shall not want. That phrase, I shall not want, here's what it means. It means I will never lack the expert care and management of my master. It's a good way of putting it, isn't it? I will never lack the expert care and management of my master. I will never want for care and direction. Why? Well, look at it with me again in the text, verse 1. Because the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Friends, there are three reasons in those three verses why David can say, I will not want. I want to show them to you. Number one, because of who God is. Number two, because of what he gives. And number three, because of where he leads. Who God is, what he gives, where he leads. Here's the first one. David does not want because of 
who God is. You know, I'd never, ever seen this before, reading Psalm 23 for years. And I'd never seen it until Simon showed it to me in the book that he had in hospital. We move so quickly, don't we, to the imagery of the psalm, the the sheep and the pastures and the water and the poetry of the valley of the shadow of death. We move so quickly into all of that that we don't pause at the stunning opening to the psalm. The simple phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's one thing to have a shepherd, isn't it? That, that's great. That's good. Everybody has shepherds. We all have shepherds. There's all people that we're following all day long in life. People who tell us where to go, what to do, what to think. We're relying on someone and something to keep us safe and protect us and comfort us all the time. But to be told that the Lord is my shepherd. He, that one, the Lord is my shepherd. Friends, that is staggering. Staggering. Notice as you look at verse 1 that that phrase, the Lord, is in uppercase in your Bible. If you're using the church Bible, the ESV, it is in uppercase in capitals. This is David calling God by his first name, Yahweh. It is God's covenant name. It's the name that God gave to Moses when he met Moses at the burning bush. Remember what Moses said to God? Who who shall I tell your people has sent me to them? Who who, who are you, God? What is your name? What did God say to Moses? I am who I am. Tell the people the Lord has sent you. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. That's why the Lord is called God's covenant name. It's, it's God in relationship to his people. It's the same name God uses when the great and mighty I am who I am says, I am also the God of your fathers. In other words, the great eternal God is the one who has joined himself to you. God says, I have your family tree in my hand. Go, I go all the way back with your family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's who I am. It is an amazing thing for this God that Moses met in the burning bush to be your shepherd this morning. I want to tell you today that whatever you have brought with you today, we're all different, aren't we? However you are feeling about the start of the year. Some of us hate the start of the new year. Some of us love the, the prospect of a, a clean start, a new, a new page, a new leaf to turn. However you are feeling today, the fact that the God of the burning bush might be your God, your shepherd. Oh, there is nothing better, friends. Nothing better. Just think about this with me. I want you to pause and think about this with me for a moment. Why did God do that to Moses in the burning bush? Why did he set the bush on fire? If you're going to show somebody who you are, declare your name, why do it in a burning bush? Well, listen to Sinclair Ferguson. Here's what Sinclair says. Listen to this. This is really amazing. The fire... The fire that was in the bush, present in the bush, but preserving the bush. The fire that was in the bush, but that was not dependent on the bush for its energy to burn. It was a most pure fire. 
A fire that was nothing but fire. A fire that was not a compound of other energy sources, but had its energy source in itself. Who are you, God? Isn't that beautiful? Look how needy David is in Psalm 23, friends. Look at it. He's like a sheep. He needs food, rest, water, shelter, comfort, housing. He needs helping. You name it, he needs it. And who gives it to him? Do you see it? The God who needs nothing and no one. What does ordinary fire need? It needs raw materials, doesn't it, to burn. It needs at least oxygen. It needs timber. But this fire burns in the bush and it needs nothing to burn doesn't consume the bush so that God can say to Moses, do you know who I am, Moses? I am who I am. Before you ever were, I was and I will be. I am the first. I am the last. I am outside of time. Because of that, I can be for you the God of your fathers and the God of their fathers and the God of generations before them. You know, I know that many of you, many of you in this room at one point or another have lost parents. And I think the older you, the older you go on in life, you, re, you come to realize, don't you, that no matter what age you are, your parents remain the rock beneath your feet. Isn't that right? Some of us, it hits us like a tidal wave. We discover too late that our parents were a rock beneath our feet. God is saying to Moses and to David and to us this morning, think about the the fact that I am the God of your fathers and your fathers before them and their fathers before them. In other words, when our rocks come and go, this God lives forever, stretches back through time before time even began. And David comes alongside you this morning, friend. I was going to say he puts his arm around you, but he puts his strong shepherd crook around your shoulder and he just pulls you in and says, do you know, I have a shepherd. Do you know what his name is? the Lord, the the God of heaven who has no need of anything, the the God of heaven who just exists, he supplies my every need. Oh, friends, it is one thing to have a shepherd, but an utterly staggering thing to have as a shepherd, the very one who is strength itself, the one who never tires, never slumbers, never needs protection, He is my shepherd. Oh, the beauty of it. Do you know what this feels like? Let me give you a really poor illustration, but I think you'll you'll get the feel of it. My my brother, who used to live in Newcastle, my youngest brother, years and years ago, for some reason, he he bought himself as a pet a Neapolitan bull mastiff. Now, if you don't know that type of dog, look it up. When you get home, a Neapolitan bull mastiff. His dog was called Sean. Sean, the Neapolitan bull mastiff. And let me tell you, when I went to visit Alistair, my brother in Newcastle, I loved walking down the street with Alistair and Sean because grown men put themselves against brick walls as Sean, the bull mastiff, walked down the road towards them. In, in all my life, I have never seen a more majestic dog. And at night time, I remember sleeping in Alistair's front room, Sean would sleep at the front door. And a couple of times in the night, because of where the house was, right on a busy street, a couple of times in the night, I would hear this just very low, throaty growl as some people on the outside just got too close to the front door. 
And I remember lying there in bed, just lying there holding my duvet, thinking to myself, go on, try it. Just break in. Just try Give it a go. Sean the bull mastiff slept at the front door. His strength was magnificent. His power unequaled. I had a shepherd. Somebody stronger than me, bigger than me, more powerful than me. David says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because of who he is. Do you notice that this psalm begins and ends with that name? The very, almost the very last words of verse six again are the Lord. It's like an env- it's like, it's like bookends, isn't it? Around, around the whole thing. And in between those two statements of who, who God is, this is all a psalm about God doing everything. Twelve times we're told that he does something for me. Here's the second reason I shall not want. Number two, because of what he gives. Because of who he is, number one. Number two, because of what he gives. Just, just take in the pictures in verses two and three. Just, just look at the imagery. Green pastures relating to food. The fact that he makes me lie down there means that there is more than enough here. I don't need to go wandering off to other places for more food. I, I can get it all from the place that he's placed me. Still waters relate to drink. And this place of perfect feeding and secure resting means that he restores my soul. Here is a shepherd who provides for the basic needs of his sheep completely. You know, uh, Keller, in, in, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, he says that phrase, he makes me lie down. He says, try and make a sheep lie down sometime. It is very, very hard to get a sheep to lie down. You usually see sheep up on their feet and they're busy and active. They're wandering. They're active creatures. But here there is a kind of rest that comes from knowing that the shepherd is near. And, and that you're in the presence of someone who's just taking care of everything. Have you ever been somewhere like that? Sometimes you maybe get a luxury stay in a hotel or something like that. No, no, no trouble is too great. I remember staying somewhere where, to my amazement, when I went and asked for help with something, the person behind the desk said, may I have the pleasure of your last name, sir? And, and I knew that every need I had was going to be taken care of. For, for here's the thing, it's quite something, isn't it, to be able to say, verse 1, I shall not want. Really? Really? What, what do you want at the start of 2021? Want is all around us, isn't it? In our hearts, it's, it's everywhere. Better body, please. New body. Good grades, better job, better salary, better relationships. I want the building project to start. I want peace and quiet, a holiday. I want the end of the pandemic. Do you remember what the Lord Jesus said in John's gospel? Before Abraham was, I am. He, he takes that divine name that God revealed to Moses in the burning bush. He takes that name and he applies it to himself. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. Come to earth. And remember what he then said. I am the good shepherd. 
The Lord Jesus is the Lord that David is speaking about here. Jesus said, I am the door for the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and go out and find pasture. The the, the green pastures that David is picturing here, you, you only find those green pastures as you find yourself in relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the green pastures are. And if you want this kind of rest... 2022, then you need an easy familiarity with the presence of the Lord Jesus. That's what what he meant, isn't it, by saying going in and going out and finding pasture. The Lord Jesus means that your everyday life, your your coming and going, every not just Sundays, but your your Tuesdays, your Thursdays, your Friday evenings, every every part of your life needs to be a coming to him and a going with him. And the more time you spend with him and in his presence, the more he will give you all these things. So I want to say this to you this morning, that there may be many things you want this year that are good things to want. Or maybe they are bad things to want or silly things to want. I don't know what they are, but there is nothing you need this year that time with Jesus won't supply to you. There is nothing you need this year that time with the shepherd will not supply to you. The more familiar you are with him, the more comfortable you are in his presence, the more hungry you are to be fed by him and watered by him and forgiven by him and loved by him, the more restored your soul will be. So I want to ask you again what Davy asked his nurse. Do you love the words of Psalm 23? Yes, but do you love the shepherd of the psalm? For your sense of being in want is going to be, it's going to be directly proportional to your sense of wanting him. Your closeness to him, your dependence on him. And so I want to finish with this. Here's another way in which this is, this is all about our closeness to Jesus. Number three, I shall not want because look where he leads. Look where he leads. Verse three, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, there is a connection between righteous paths and wholeness. The the way to the restored soul in verse 3 is as much from right paths as it is right food. In other words, happiness is found in holiness. Wholeness is found in righteousness. And and look how it works. You see, we might say verses 1 and 2, he leads us for our own good, but verse 3, he leads us for his own good, his own glory. See that for his name's sake. Your good and God's glory are not two different things. Whatever is good for you glorifies God, and whatever glorifies God restores you and makes you whole, will make you righteous. God's ultimate aim with the universe in 2022 is not anything to do with Trinity or me or you. It is not that your name and my name might be honored, but that his name is. The fame of the sheep is irrelevant, isn't it? But the fame, the reputation, the honor of the shepherd is everything. I simply want to ask you as I finish this morning, as a new year begins, where are you today with the shepherd's paths of righteousness? 
Are you on them, but you're thinking of leaving them? Or you're not even on them, and you're, you're going it alone in life? I want to say to us, I'm going to do this again next week as we look at verse 4. We're going to come back to this. I want to say with King David, there is, there is no soul restoration in walking paths in life that your shepherd is not walking with you with Jesus and with the words that he speaks, with his righteous law, with his righteousness-giving gospel, with him and those things, there is no greener grass anywhere else. And if we're honest, some of us this morning are thinking, you know that, that, that kind of life over there on the other side of the fence, the grass just looks a little bit greener. No, the only green grass is with Jesus and with what he says is right and wrong. And some of us aren't just thinking that. We've actually started testing that other grass. Maybe it's a relationship we know we shouldn't be in. A a, a new set of relationships, new sets of decisions, new encounters that we're engaged in. And we know it is just not a path of righteousness. And the way that we know it is not a path of righteousness is that just a little bit of distance has opened up between you and the Lord Jesus that wasn't there this time last year. Psalm 23, friends, brothers and sisters, life is a journey, not a viewing gallery. You are never standing still in the Christian life. It is never static. You never chug along at anything. We're either going with Jesus on his path or a different path. Two two degrees of divergence this January might mean a mile of divergence next January. Some of us are just beginning to wonder, is it really worth it? The path of the shepherd is the path to the cross, isn't it? We know that. Is it worth it? I want to say to you again that it is worth it. You will not long leave the path before you discover there is no soul nourishment anywhere else. Some of us this morning, I want to say this to you. Some of us in this room, you display this pearl of a psalm to others in your simple love of the Lord Jesus, week in, week out, year by year. Here you are again another new year. Oh, you've been here for many, many years. You simply display your love of the Lord Jesus and his paths week in, week out. There is nothing flashy about you. You're, you're, you're not in the newspapers. You will not get a plaque with your name on it in a church building somewhere. But you are showing me and you are showing others that the Lord Jesus can keep you and feed you and lead you. And I want to be like you when I grow up. So may God speak to us, friends. May the Lord Jesus, our shepherd, feed you, restore you, keep you, and lead you to his dwelling place forever. Amen.